Welcome to Healthline 3. I'm Jade Belexa. Today we are talking with board certified rheumatologist Dr. Robert Goodman of the Arthritis and Rheumatology Clinic here in Shreveport about a form of vasculitis, the autoimmune disease known as giant cell arteritis. Dr. Goodman, thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Well, before we get started, we would like for you, our viewers, to know that Dr. Goodman will give an overview of giant cell arteritis for the first 10 minutes of our simulcast. And following that, call us with any questions you may have about giant cell arteritis using the number at the bottom of your screen. It is 318-219-4569. We will then take your questions from 1210 to 1230. Dr. Goodman, since giant cell arteritis is a form of vasculitis, can you give us a quick overview of it? Well, vasculitis is really a family of diseases in which the immune system makes a mistake and um, causes inflammation in the arteries and veins of our body. Um, giant cell arteritis is one of the more common forms of vasculitis. In giant cell arteritis, um, the inflammation uh, targets the arteries that go to our head and neck, uh, to our eyes, jaw, and even our brain. And tell us, what are some of the characteristics of giant cell arteritis? Well, some of the symptoms are uh, that a person uh, in the person is usually somebody in their uh, early 70s to later. Uh, it tends to, this d disease tends to occur in people of Northern European background more uh, than other uh, ethnicities. Um, and it tends to uh, cause um, maybe an unusual headache. You might have had tension headaches in the past, but this is different. It feels like it's right under the skin uh, on the side of the mouth or, uh, uh, or just in front of the ear. You may be brushing your hair, you may be putting on your glasses, and as your um, uh, hairbrush uh, touches this area, it will feel very tender. And you uh, touch it with your fingers and you might feel, ow, that hurts. Um, in addition, a person might be, if they're talking, if they're chewing um, uh, some, uh, like an apple or something, they may get pain in their jaw, which is called jaw claudication. And it's similar to uh, the heart muscle um, getting pain whenever somebody has a cutoff of the blood flow to the heart. This is a cutoff of blood flow to the jaw, or to the muscles of the jaw, or to uh, the uh, nerves and muscles and arteries of the face and can cause symptoms that uh, tend to go in that direction. Headaches and sometimes vision loss. Is this common? This is not as common as many of our other diseases uh, that we talk about in this format, but um, the patients that have giant cell arteritis say, get the word out because I think it is underdiagnosed, I think it is underrecognized, um, and I think it's uh, becoming more and more common. We think that the chance of having it if you are um, Caucasian and over age 70 is about one chance in 4,000. Hmm. Well, tell us, uh, you talked about some of the symptoms. Who, who typically gets that? Can we talk more about that? Yeah, it, it tends to be women more than men, but men are uh, not too far uh, removed from the women. Um, and it tends to occur, uh, the youngest, uh, patients ever described are uh, age 50 and older, but 72 is about an average age to get giant cell arteritis. Um, and it is often uh, suspected because the person presents with those symptoms, head, an unusual headache, pain in the jaw, fleeting uh, vision loss in one eye, and um, then 
if they go to a healthcare provider, the healthcare provider might do some general lab work. A common lab test to measure inflammation floating around in our body is called a sedimentation rate or a sed rate. A very common test in that sed rate might be four, five, six times the upper limits of normal. And so any doctor would say, wow, that makes you sit up and take notice. A normal sed rate might be 20, and a patient with giant cell arteritis might present with these symptoms, otherwise seem pretty well, but have a sed rate instead of 20, it's 100 or 120. Other markers of inflammation uh, commonly used called a C-reactive protein will also be very uh, elevated as well. And when the doctor senses that might be the problem, then a, a number of urgent things have to start taking place. If that doctor is in the emergency room, if that doctor is a primary care doctor, if the doctor is an ophthalmologist who's seeing the, the patient because they say, I have funny vision problems, uh, and giant cell arteritis is suspected, uh, the patient might need to have a biopsy of the little artery in front of the ear called the temporal artery. That biopsy would then be sent to a pathologist, and the pathologist would look under the microscope and see white blood cells migrating into the artery, hence arteritis or vasculitis, and some of those white cells might have come together, or uh, pathologists would say coalesced, and coalesced into a large or giant cell that has lots of nuclei. So the pathologist would see multinucleated giant cells in an inflamed artery, and then he would make the diagnosis of giant cell arteritis. Mm -hmm. So how, how is it treated once someone is diagnosed? Well, we would treat it with a powerful anti-inflammatory. And uh, the, an anti-inflammatory that we hope will work in a matter of hours to about a day. We want to push back on that inflammation because if you can imagine an artery with an opening and it's, the inflammation is closing off that artery and if that artery is supplying your eye, then it can uh, deprive the eye of, um, of blood flow and can cause the eye to have a stroke in the eye. I have seen just this week a patient who um, is about 75 and uh, she was told three years ago that she had a stroke in her eye um, and um, she cannot see out of that uh, eye. And uh, we're seeing some other symptoms today and I'm wondering, don't know for sure, can't prove it, did she have giant cell arteritis three years ago? Really? And I, I see, patients like this at least once or twice a month. So it's important to, to try and catch this as soon as possible. That's right. And, and so patients have um, seen me for other related diseases, and I uh, point out that these related diseases could put them at risk of maybe one chance in 50, uh, up from one chance in 500 to one chance in 50 or one chance in 30 of getting giant cell arteritis. And I recall a lady that I treated in 2016 for another disease, and I had told her about that she might have a risk for this disease. That other disease was successfully treated, and she was no longer seeing me. And sometime in the middle of COVID, she went to an emergency room in uh, Monroe. Uh, she described her symptoms, and then she 
pulled up on her cell phone what I had drawn a, a, about it in giant cell arteritis, the ER doctor just had an epiphany and she was then seeing an ophthalmologist and he said, oh my gosh, I think we need to look into that. They put her on steroids, they got the temporal artery biopsies and it was giant cell arteritis. Her eyes are, that patient's eyes are still preserved and uh, she was then brought back to see me. They emergently and did the right thing of putting her on high doses of steroids um, and that quickly decreased the inflammation. But we now know that there are medications that can spare us the steroids um, and those medications, one of those medications uh, is called Actemra and that patient and others are now on that medication. So is this the new treatment you want to tell us about? That's right, that steroids are still that first treatment, but um, every doctor knows that steroids cause a lot of side effects. So we want to use steroids for a shorter period of time as we can, and that would be usually prednisone if it's an oral medication, or, they, or if you're in the hospital emergency room, they might give you steroids in an IV form, and they might put you in the hospital and give you steroids in an IV form for about three days. Then they would send you home on oral steroids. But um, about uh, uh, 12 years ago, a medicine that had previously been uh, used for rheumatoid arthritis called Actemra was found to be helpful for giant cell arteritis. Actemra is in a class of medications. It's in the biological, so it's similar to medicines that you see advertised on TV like Humira, like Enbrel, uh, like Cosentix, like Taltz that you see for rheumatoid arthritis or psoriatic arthritis. Actemra is a little different because it is an interleukin-6 blocker and for our viewers, leukocytes are our white blood cells and there are communicating proteins between leukocytes that are called interleukins and the sixth interleukin that was discovered was found to be particularly important in causing giant cell arteritis um, and so if you can give the patient an interleukin-6 blocker in this case the medicine called Actemra then you can transition from steroids to Actemra and get even better control with using fewer toxic medications. All right. What is the prognosis for people with giant cell arteritis? Well, the prognosis is the chance of um, having um, blindness or a stroke if it's untreated is about 15%. But the chance of having blindness or a stroke if it is treated, if you're on any dose of steroids or if you get on Actemra, can drop to 15% uh, to one in 300 or less. So it, it has a good prognosis if recognized and treated. And that's why uh, our discussion today is so, so important to those uh, rare but uh, needy patients that have this disease. Do you have to stay on that medication long term or how does that work? Well, um, the the right now we think that you need to stay on that medication long term we want to get you off of the steroids by cutting down on the dose um, over a few months time and then transitioning to Actemra this interleukin-6 blocker. Mm -hmm. What suggestions do you have that may help patients who are on steroids? 
Well, um, in patients that are on steroids, they might be on steroids for a variety of reasons. They might be on steroids for this rare disease, giant cell arteritis, for another uh, companion disease to giant cell arteritis that we're going to talk about next month, mm -hmm. Jade, called poly myalgia rheumatica, or they might be on steroids for common diseases like lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. Um, uh, rheumatology um, and other uh, disciplines in medicine that d have had to use steroids in the past have been uh, blessed with um, new medications that can be steroid sparing medications. These are the biologicals that you see uh, on TV. For example, in the case we're talking about today, giant cell arteritis, we can um, spare the patient from using a lot of steroids by switching over to Actimra. If the steroids are being used for rheumatoid arthritis and, uh, and uh, for psoriatic arthritis, there are a lot of medicines for that, you know, trying to find a steroid sparing medicine like something called methotrexate. If that's not working, uh, the, the TNF blockers like Humira and Enbrel are that first wave of biologicals that can spare people the steroids. Uh, if it's in the lupus family, there are also medications that can decrease the need for steroids in that family as well, uh, hydroxychloroquine or Plaquenil, and then medicines such as Benlista, Safnola, and Lupkinus. So, we, so rheumatologists have, over the past decade or two, acquired new tools to allow us to use less steroids and more uh, targeted medications for these autoimmune diseases. What can patients do on their own, like healthy eating maybe, just to kind of reduce the need for steroids? Well, um, that is very important. Many of these diseases, we don't know exactly what causes or triggers giant cell arteritis. We don't know um, uh, if there's a trigger in the environment, we tend to see that it tends to run in families, so there's a genetic predilection. But all of us, we are dealing with the community of bacteria in our intestinal tract, the community of bacteria in our mouth, um, and the community of bacteria on our skin. And if um, with healthy eating, low inflammatory diets, many of these autoimmune diseases, maybe they can't be cured, but they can be helped. They can be ameliorated by, um, uh, by healthy eating. Some people find that if they go on a Mediterranean diet, their lupus gets better. If they uh, uh, go on a low inflammatory diet and use a probiotic called a line probiotic, that can be very helpful for um, diseases that our gastroenterology colleagues talk about. That is Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. Um, a line probiotic and, and some of those uh, adjustments of our gut flora, our microbiome, can be helpful in uh, psoriatic arthritis as well. They aren't the be-all and the end-all uh, because people still get these autoimmune diseases, but a low inflammatory diet can be, can be helpful uh, for many of these diseases. We don't know exactly the connection between giant cell arteritis because it's a less common uh, autoimmune disease and it hasn't been studied as much as the more common ones that I'm mentioning. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about the need for exercise too. That can help prevent the bone loss and doing regular aerobic exercise, that's important too. That's right, because um, if you're on steroids, you tend to also get osteoporosis. So calcium, vitamin D are important. 
exercise, low impact aerobics are very important. Uh, exercise with a little bit of weight training is also good as we get into our exercises. Um, and this would be preventing one of the complications of uh, steroids, which is osteoporosis. And osteoporosis treatment is a whole uh, completely different topic. Uh, but part of it is calcium, vitamin D, healthy eating, um, and regular exercise. And I was reading some of the notes you sent over about aspirin. That can help with blindness and stroke? That's right. And, and what that is, is we're, we're really uh, going back to what the cardiologist would be dealing with. If a cardiologist was dealing with an artery that was getting smaller and more narrow because it had hardening of the arteries and cholesterol plaques, they might use a baby aspirin or they might use a blood thinner like an Eliquis or, or one of those kinds of medications. Uh, if we are dealing with vasculitis and the narrowing of the artery instead of hardening of the artery and atherosclerotic plaque like our cardiology colleagues are, are dealing with is the inflammatory response causing inflammation of the inner lining of the artery causing those multinucleated giant cells and that inflammation to cause that artery to get smaller, it makes sense to at least try maybe, maybe a baby aspirin or some uh, aspirin to give a little bit of a blood thinner uh, effect so that as the steroids and the uh, interleukin-6 blocker, Actemera, are decreasing the inflammation to allow that artery to re-expand to its normal size, that the uh, aspirin is allowing the blood to flow past that obstruction more freely. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Goodman, for the viewers who are just tuning in, tell everybody your address, where they can find you, if they have questions that maybe they want to ask privately. Sure. Um, and uh, my office is at 740 Jordan Street in Shreveport, uh, near downtown. My uh, phone number is 318 424-9240, that's 424-9240, um, and we are on um, Facebook at Facebook forward slash ArthDoc, and uh, we have a website that is ArthDoc.com. Yes, and make sure you call in right now. The lines are open, 318-219-4569. We're talking about giant cell arthritis and I want to say arthritis arthritis so right. tell us for for those for those of us who are just tuning in right now uh, give us some of the risk factors of this disease well the risk factors for giant cell arthritis tend to be people who are uh, uh, of northern European act, uh, background uh, from uh, Scandinavian countries. It tends to be women more than men. It tends to be uh, people who are in their seventh and eighth and ninth decades. Um, uh, at 72 is an average age. However, um, I see uh, people that develop this disease seemingly out of the blue in their 80s and 90s. And we have more uh, people living to 80s, 90s, and even 100 in, in the Arclitex. So uh, that may increase the risk of, of, of this happening. Why does it happen at that advanced age that you get this autoimmune disease? We really don't know. Hmm.
but I think we have a caller. Oh, we sure do. Jacqueline is on the phone. Thank you, Jacqueline, for calling in. What is your question for Dr. Goodman? Well, first of all, I'd like to thank him for bringing this to everyone's attention. I spent six weeks with a terrible headache and several doctors before I finally found a man in Shreveport who diagnosed. Giant um, cell arteritis? I would, he's, uh, well, first they called it giant and then um, temporal arteritis after the biopsy. That's right. Um, both of those terms are interchangeable uh, because the temporal artery is the main artery that doctors can get a biopsy from. Uh, it is uh, called temporal arteritis, but because it's not just the temporal artery, to emphasize that it could be arteries that go to our jaw, arteries that go to our eye, arteries that go to our brain, um, the term giant cell arteritis is often used as well. They're used interchangeably, but I think giant cell arteritis is a little bit more preferred because it tells medical students, it tells other doctors, this is not just the temporal artery that we need to be concerned about because if you block the temporal artery, you may have scalp pain, you may have head pain. But if you block the ophthalmic artery, which branches off in the same area, uh, the artery to the eye, then you could get blindness. If you block an artery that goes to the brain, you could get a stroke. So, uh, so when people have these headaches, um, it's a warning sign. Could this person have a stroke or go blind in the next few months? And uh, if that's the possibility, then it requires the, the uh, treatments that I've outlined. But tell us about you. What sort of treatments were you on? And um, did you have a temporal artery biopsy? And uh, I guess it was positive. Tell us about that. That's correct. The, the biopsy was positive. Uh, the doctor said that he knew it the minute he got in there and saw it. So it must have been very prevalent. And that was uh, um, the, that doctor was like a, a head and neck surgeon that was doing the biopsy. Apparently, he got right on it. Great. And uh, how uh, how many years ago was this? That was two weeks after my seventieth birthday. Two weeks. And that was twelve years ago. Twelve years ago. Um, and so, yeah. what they did twelve years ago. Do you still have good vision in both eyes, or pretty good vision? I am blind in the right eye, the side of my head that has the temporal uh, arteritis um, did, diagnosed. Did the blindness occur before or after the treatment? After. After the treatment. After. What was the uh, treatment yes. that was used? I had glaucoma, and I understand that this <clears throat> gives me temporal arteritis, feeds on the glaucoma. Um, he did a surgery to keep the uh, pressure down. We were using several drops. It wasn't working, and uh, he did surgery, and I, it just faded away. The eye just faded away. I see. So you had two problems with that eye. It was being threatened by 
temporal or giant cell arteritis and you had glaucoma is that correct that's correct and uh, so the steroids can make the pressure in the uh, glaucoma is high pressure in the eyes and the yeah. steroids can yeah. make that worse so so a doctor 12 years ago would be wrestling with a complication of corticosteroids is higher pressure in the eyes so we're caught between the proverbial rock and the hard place your doctors 12 years ago would have been uh, dealing with we need to give her enough steroids to uh, help her uh, preserve the vision so that the artery, the ophthalmic artery won't uh, be constricted and cut off the blood flow to the eye, cut off the blood flow to your retina because you would be blind that way. But then the steroids are causing your glaucoma to be more difficult to treat as well. And so that is one of those dilemmas and Jade was kind of talking to me about it common uh, side effects of steroids as opposed to that's a, an uncommon side effect of steroids. But uh, nowadays we have that steroid sparing approach or steroid sparing option that was uh, I think approved in about 2016 or 2017. Yes. Um, well, and I believe I believe the doctor um, uh, shared that with me, and I, I was reluctant to do anything else. By then, she had changed me from the guy who was weaned off of the steroids, and she put me on um, methotrexate. Yeah. and I'm still taking that. My um, concern is how long can I take methotrexate? Well, methotrexate, uh, patients have, uh, methotrexate, by the way, uh, Jade, and to our other viewers, is was a steroid-sparing medicine that is used most commonly for rheumatoid arthritis and psoriatic arthritis, common diseases. But it can be a steroid-sparing dr drug for common diseases like those two, but also rare diseases like giant cell arteritis. Um, and it can allow us to go down on the, the dose. Um, as far as methotrexate long term, there are hundreds and thousands of people who have been on methotrexate for rheumatoid arthritis and for um, psoriatic arthritis for decades, well into their seventh, seventh uh, decade, well into their eighth decade. So you're about 82 now? Is that correct? correct? Yeah, and so there are people that have been on methotrexate uh, in their 80s for rheumatoid arthritis and psoriatic arthritis, and um, so we have every reason to believe that methotrexate can be used to manage giant cell arteritis uh, into the future as well. But um, they do have that tool called Actemra, um, which is that interleukin-6 blocker that seems to be more targeted and we think it might have fewer side effects than than methotrexate. Methotrexate has fewer side effects than steroids and Actemra may have fewer side effects than methotrexate. We don't have a perfect cure but we're getting there. Thank you for calling. Um, you, I think you have enlightened our uh, viewers and our listeners uh, about um, a, a variety of uh, topics. Thank you, Jacqueline. 
Yes, she gave us a, a lot of information there dealing with the glaucoma and the, the giant cell. And, and, and it, so glaucoma, it's a rare situation that, um, you know, steroids can cause hypertension, but they can also cause hypertension in the eye as well. So, so uh, that was a, a unique situation to have a one-two punch uh, affecting her eye. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I know that um, it's sad that she lost vision in one eye, but I think what those doctors did 12 years ago has probably preserved losing a vision in the second eye or, the, mm -hmm. you know, or having some other complication of, of vasculitis in general or giant cell arteritis in particular. Well, unfortunately, we got to start wrapping up, Dr. Goodman. Is there anything you want people to know about giant cell arteritis real quick before we go? Well, uh, quickly, giant cell arteritis is something that we need to recognize. It um, can be just headaches and pain when you touch your uh, uh, temporal area. Uh, lab test will be sky high, and that might be a clue to doctors, but other doctors, and myself included, have to be prompted to think about giant cell arteritis because it's not as common, but when you recognize it, it can be very rewarding, like uh, Jackie that uh, called in earlier. Yes, and thank you, Jackie, again for, for calling in um, with your situation there. And if you need help from Dr. Goodman, he's available, located in the downtown area. And Dr. Goodman, give your information one more time. Uh, Robert Goodman uh, at 740 Jordan Street in Shreveport. The, Office phone number is 318-424-9240. That's 424-9240. We're on uh, uh, Facebook at Facebook forward slash ArthDoc and on the web at ArthDoc.com. Okay. And thank you so much for coming on today. This was a, a great topic to share. And you'll be on again next month. And That's right. Can you give us a little tease what we'll talk We're about gonna next We're going to talk time. about a companion disease to giant cell arteritis called polymyalgia rheumatica. And it has a new medicine that was approved just in March of this year. All right. We'll see you then. And thank you for watching this edition of Healthline. Have a good day.